G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Rise and Shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. We are super excited this morning because a member of the family is back and joining us thanks to the wonders of technology. Sheridan Voisey joins us. Hello. Morning, Becky. Morning, Robbo. I feel like the prodigal son after an introduction like that. (laughs) I've been off in a faraway country and I'm finally back. Well, I'm just so excited to talk to you and to talk to you about your new book, which I just think is so timely with the year that we've had and the season that we're going into. So mm. I'm very excited. Yes, it is. Great. I mean, you have uh, – oh, do we use the word prolific? I mean, you certainly mm. have written a number of books now. When do you sort of co- co- cross over the line to become a prolific author, Sheridan? <laughs> I Look, I'll take anything, you know, <laughs> if, if that word I, – I can't say best-selling yet. I mean, my books sell okay, but they're no they're, I'm no Philip Yancey. So yeah. if prolific I can – and get that word first, I'll take that. Yeah, cool. yeah, All right, well, we'll call it. you a prolific author today and a prolific <laughs> Aussie you, author, which yes, is even claiming better. Obviously. So, uh, even no, look, better. It's, uh, it's great to have another book out. Before we get into the book, though, I want to quickly mention, because I, I don't want to lose, lose the opportunity to mention this, your amazing wife has been involved, um, obviously working at Oxford. Uh, tell us a bit about what she's been doing over the last few months. Oh, well, she's been, she's been writing papers. Uh, she's been working on... Uh, a little vaccine trial you may have heard of called the <laughs> Oxford vaccine trial. So uh, I can tell you, so Merrin is the lead statistician on that. So you can imagine the worldwide pressure that is mm. on her and the yeah. rest of the team right now. Um, amazing news that came out what Monday last week uh, that, you know, this this uh, vaccine has been proven to be effective, uh, 70% perf- uh, effective as it currently is, uh, 90% if they do a slight tweaking to the dosage. Oh, wow. um, so that's amazing. And, yeah, that's those are, those are Merrin's statistics. So, I love it. Um, mm. So pretty taking, amazing, pretty amazing. Taking care of both ends. She's got us covered with the, you know, looking after us uh, sort of vaccine-wise. And yep. you've got us covered looking after us sort of mentally and spiritually and sort of regrouping-wise yeah. with the new book, which I'm very excited. Really to- really funny you say that, Becky. Actually, somebody else said exactly the same thing to me a couple of days ago. They said, oh, you know, Maren's looking after the uh, the body and the physics mm-hmm. and, and Sheridan's looking after the spirit and the soul. And I thought, oh, I, I <laughs> don't like, like that. Team. I have Yeah, that's the right. The dream team. <laughs> But there's a little bit of irony in it too. I mean, obviously, because I mean, I could imagine Merrin has been incredibly busy over the last you yeah. know, six months, and yet you're mm. saying, "Hey, hurry! Sickness is killing us. Slow down. Rest." You know. <laughs> so there's a bit of an irony in there. But I mean, obviously, there's got to be balance in some of these things too, isn't there? Really does. And you know, so when we talk about hurry sickness, we're talking about a culture of rush that has just kind of infiltrated Western culture and Western ways. And that's not to say that we don't have seasons in our life where things have to be very busy. Any single parents listening to us right now will know that sometimes mm. you it's very, very tough, right? You just have a very busy season, particularly when school's out and you've got the kids back at home and everything like that. Mm. Well, exactly the same for Merrin, exactly the same for me, mm. for you. Uh, we have seasons where we go through busyness. The problem is... We have kind of taken that almost as a badge of honor at some in some cases. Yes. Mm. And other times 
uh, we've just it's been expected of us by society. Um, you talk to any lawyer and know that there's a culture there uh, amongst the the legal community that if you're not you know staying back working late every night, well then somehow maybe you're not actually going to be the the material that's going to uh, become a partner at the yeah, end of the day. Exactly. So you know we've kind of turned it into a culture, and that's that's really what we're uh, we're trying to speak against. Yeah, that's right. It's so funny. I'm just hearing you say that and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and we're starting it at such a young age because mm. I know some kids, they do something after school every day because we think we need to put them in so many extra activities and yeah. they dance and they swim and they da-da-da. But actually, we probably need to be teaching them just to be home, be and play. Right. So all of those extracurricular activities and I'm not a parent, but I can no. imagine that you're probably thinking, I want the best for my yeah, child. I do. want them to get the biggest mm. head start as possible. So I, you, I can, I can imagine that. But <laughs> make them busy, rushed off their feet. And so they're enculturated from a very early age that the way that my life is going to be meaningful is going to be that I'm incredibly busy mm-hmm. and always doing something. Actually, that could also be paving the road to burnout. That's and we right. want to pull right back from that and say, actually, you know what? A healthy soul is one that also pauses and reflects, and that's really mm. what we're talking about. Well, that's it, and reflection really is the key to it. And, I mean, obviously, you know, the, there's probably different ways of doing that, and, and you explore this in the book. So how, how would you say that can look like Let's say, you know, take the, the single parent for an example. Like, here's someone that is incredibly busy and then you come along and you say oh you need to be more reflective and they're going really (laughs) what does that look like how does that actually how can you incorporate Mm. a reflection into uh, into a busy life yeah so uh, let me give you three quick tips that might be helpful number one you do have to simply pause and I would suggest that you actually find an easy win when it comes to that. So find a moment in your day that you know is going to be easier for you to stop and pause so you can have that kind of reflection time uh, than other moments in the day won't allow. So it might be at lunchtime and instead of going to the lunchroom and you know being with your colleagues, you just take a chair outside at the back of the office or under a tree or something. Maybe it's late at night when the the kids are uh, all in bed. Maybe it's early in the morning before they get up. There must be some time in your day at which you are able to pause and to make use of just a few minutes. Just start with five, move to ten. Move up to 15, have as much as you possibly can. Mm. There will be a moment in your day when you can do that. Mm. And if you say, no, uh, there isn't, Sheridan, well, I'd like to then talk about your social media use because <laughs> that'll be hey. <laughs> oh, don't touch no the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, just recently I deleted uh, Twitter and Instagram off my phone and I have never been so liberated. Mm. I still wow. use both, but I... I use them on my laptop, I use them on my iPad, on my work tools. It's not there at my beck and call whenever I'm bored, whenever I'm sitting on the toilet, whenever I'm you know, having a break at, yeah. at, uh, at lunchtime. And so you take that time there. Secondly, you, you need some stimulus material. So it's not just enough to go into a room and then say, okay, I'm going to reflect. Uh, right. Uh, mm. uh, Stare at the wallpaper. <laughs> I'm reflecting exactly, on what no. needs to be on the shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's a very good point. Something that is on your to-do list is going to be crowding in your in your in your your, your brain space at that point. So, start off with something else. So, of course, the the classic one is start off with a verse of scripture that can be wonderful to reflect on. It might be nature. 
going outside and reflecting on God's good creation. Romans 1.20 says that the, the creation reflects something of God's nature and power. So there is something in which you can do that. Some research out of the University of Derby here in the United Kingdom just a year ago said that people who reflect on nature, who contemplate nature for as little as 20 seconds a day, have greater levels of well-being, lower levels of anxiety, and greater interest in caring for both the planet and also for other people. What? Now, I find that fascinating. Yeah. yeah. As little as 20 seconds a day, uh, even better if you do it for two minutes a day. So it's not a lot of time. Reflect with Sheridan, the book, I've written that specifically to be that stimulus material. So mm-hmm. 70 stories, nine themes. If you need some hope, there's a theme there. If you need some compassion, there's a theme there. But it's a short story. Take you about two or three minutes to read. And the whole idea is that stories are very powerful to reflect on because there is something human about stories. We find ourselves entering and taking the role of one of the characters. We say, well, maybe that's what would I do in that situation? What should I do? What don't I want to do? So that can be a help. And then uh, thirdly, I'd say add prayer to it. Now, there's a lot of power in just reflecting on your day. What happens when we reflect and kind of look back over the day and the conversations we've had and the things we've done is that we recollect the day. And what does recollect mean? Recollect. We collect the pieces that are kind of all just mm. over here and left and right and up and down, and we bring them together. It's like the meaning of the word remember is to remember, to, to bring the members back mm. together. And that's really powerful. But there's an extra level of power when you then add to it prayer. So you are prayerfully reflecting. So you might be outside in nature and you say, God, open my eyes, open my ears to your, your, your invisible, powerful, creative nature reflected in what I'm seeing and hearing. Uh, show me something that I haven't seen before. Show me something about you. Show me something about the world, about life, about my life that I need to to see and hear. Uh, so those are three quick tips. Find yourself a place to pause during the day. Uh, have yourself some stimulus material and uh, third, combine it with some prayer. Wow. Mm, that's great. So amazing. Now, you mentioned the 70 stories that you've got in your book. Is there one that you could uh, share with us today as a bit of an example? Look, I would love to do that. And uh, this one that I've picked, I actually was flicking through before we came on air and I thought, which one would be nice to read? And I thought, maybe this one. This is for all those workers amongst us who wonder sometimes whether what they do every day actually works. This is called Fixing Lifts is a Caring Profession. It's on page 100, by the way, if you want to go and open it up, if you get your own copy. (laughs) Sarah is a friend of mine who advises the medical system on matters of disability. She knows her subject well. Sarah has a rare condition that causes her shoulders and joints to continually dislocate. Each moment is painful, every hour is a challenge, but with the aid of carers, an electric wheelchair, and a remarkable sense of humour, Sarah faces every day. Sarah had a meeting in London recently. Her carer came early to help her shower and dress, then Sarah rode her wheelchair through the rain to the bus stop. Experience has taught her to leave early for these meetings. Often a broken ramp or an occupied wheelchair spot means she must wait for a second, sometimes even a third bus to take her to the train station. Arriving at the station, Sarah went to the lift and found it was broken. Again. She had booked assistance ahead of time, so why hadn't anyone told her? With no way of getting to the platform, she was told to take a taxi to the next station, 40 minutes away. 
A taxi was called. Half an hour later, it still hadn't arrived. Even if it did, she would now miss most of her meeting. Sarah gave up and went home. Now, while this would be a uniquely bad day for most of us, Sarah estimates that a third of her travel attempts get disrupted like this, through a broken lift or ramps not being there to help her off the train. Sometimes she's treated as a nuisance for needing assistance. She's often close to tears. When we think of the caring professions, most of us probably think of nursing, teaching and social work jobs. I am starting to believe that this list is far too small. In the Christian view of things, humanity's great purpose to love God and love others is most naturally expressed through our work. That means making sandwiches, mowing lawns, changing tyres or painting walls aren't just ways of earning a wage, but opportunities to serve. That means fixing lifts and dragging out ramps aren't inconsequential tasks, but caring professions in themselves. There's a guy at St Pancras Station in London who watches out for Sarah, making sure that she has a clear path through the ticket gate. While she was stranded at another station one day due to yet another broken lift, a staff member arranged to divert Sarah's train to an entirely different platform so that she could get home. That's love. Mm. Most of us want to live meaningful lives. Here, I believe, is the answer. View our jobs as just a wage and people will soon become annoyances to us. But when we see our jobs as an opportunity to love, the most everyday tasks become holy enterprises. Mm, that's wonderful. Wow. That's very cool. That's a amazing. great reflection. And you, that's just one example of uh, one of the stories found in Sheridan's new book, Reflect with Sheridan. Uh, it's so good to chat to you, mate. I feel like we could talk for hours. Yeah, no, but, do we uh, have to go? Yeah, we, we do have to wrap this up. But <laughs> Appreciate the encouragement, mate, because you know, I guess, it, as you've said, this year has been a crazy year with COVID and everything, and it's easy to sort of feel overwhelmed. But to even just taking a few minutes out of our day to stop, reflect, pray, and uh, meditate on God's Word can really make a huge difference. And this book will be a, a great uh, tool in that mm. uh, process as well. So I encourage you to get a hold of it. Maybe you can get it as a Christmas gift for yourself or yep. for someone else. You can do that on Book Depository. Mm. That's going to yep. be the one that's going to get it there for you in time for Christmas. That's so right. Book Depository. That's right. You can check it out yeah. to Reflect with Sheridan, it's called, uh, with our good mate Sheridan Voisey. Hey, thanks again for your time, mate. P- really appreciate uh, you sharing a bit of time with us today. Yeah, always love joining you, Robbo. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.